Your move, creep. Mission Black Freezer. You both in Coco. Dino DNA. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. It's the only thing I know how to do. It's a good looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's right, Lord. Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Hey everyone, welcome back to Retrograde. I'm your host, Jorge, and I'm Austin. And today we're going to be talking about Transformers, the Michael Bay directed film from 2007. The one that started it all. Did it start it all? It started something. So we're going to go back and we're going to look at this film, we're going to talk about some of the numbers, talk about the production of it, and what we think about it today. It's been 12 years since the film came out. And this has gone on to have five sequels. Uh, well, four sequels and a prequel. Transformers 2, 3, 4, 5, and Bumblebee. And this is usually regarded as the best one in the franchise. A lot of people say that the first one was a solid startup. And then it, for a lot of people, just went downhill from here. Uh, so we, I, I particularly am a fan of the franchise. Uh, Austin, you are not. No. I I want to see Bumblebee because I've heard it was different and it's not directed by Michael Bay. Yeah, uh, it's directed so. by the guy that did Kubo and the Two Strings. And actually, I should yeah, I love that movie. I should go back and correct what I just said. Bumblebee is the high is the best regarded film of every of all, all of them. So it didn't yeah. go downhill. It, a lot of people think that each Transformers film went downhill, but Bumblebee, which has like an over a ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's like a what do you call it? A parabola. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a oh, U-shaped it is a parabola. parabola. Yeah, to a lot of people, it's a parabola. Started str- started up high, up went down low, and it went back up. And we just kind of want to. I, I want to go back and revisit this film. I love this film. Yeah. Or I love this film. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I have I have fond memories of the franchise. I've seen all of them in theaters. And I've had ups and downs with the franchise, uh, mostly positive. I really enjoy them. But I wanted to go back and rewatch them and just kind of see if it holds up or if maybe I could, maybe I can acknowledge their flaws more or maybe I think that they're better than they actually were. And people are just kind of, you know, bashing on it for no reason. I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of curious too. I remember being really excited for this movie and I remember seeing it in theaters. Uh, I, uh, let's see, it was... Was it 2007? Yes, 2006. All right, so I was still in high school. I was still living at home. And my aunt used to take us to the movies. And I I didn't want to seem ungrateful. So I would just say I liked all the movies. But I remember this being one of the ones that was like, hmm, something something ain't right. (laughs) (laughs) Did Uh, you lie to her and say you liked it? Yeah, yeah. It was, I'm pretty sure my brother was there, my sister, my cousins, and I remember it was an IMAX theater too, and it was, it was like a fancy one, and I was like, I remember specifically when they're in the street, and someone's doing like a corkscrew move, dodging a missile, and I was like, why am I not enjoying this more? This should be like, you know, I'm watching the Transformers come to life on the big screen, huge budget big cast you know like why am i not liking this movie i just remember in that moment i was like this is not for me 
Well, it's it's very funny because we had kind of. I mean, we it doesn't it doesn't seem like you enjoyed the film, and I kind of have the same gripe with it when I first saw it in theaters, but for very mm. different reasons. <laughs> I I told I told you, but I'm gonna just say it out loud again. Um, yeah. So when I saw this film, I I remember the day vividly. It's one of those days that are seared that's seared into my head forever. And I remember on the day that we saw it, it was Saturday, and I had some friends over from my old swim team, and it they were over at my house, and we were just having it was you know playing video games. We uh, we just we ate food. Uh, I remember we had like a huge water fight. Like we just grabbed hoses and we're like throwing water balloons at it. It was fun. It was a cool. Oh man, water fights are the best. I have damn. It's I haven't had one probably. I think that may have been the last time. See, I had one in the sixth grade. Like I had a bunch of my friends over. We got super soakers and water balloons, and just that was like the the last time I was like you know a kid with your friends. You know, well, you, there aren't that. I mean that that day that I had with them was probably the start those were one of the final moments that i started having have you seen that uh like i think it was like a meme or instagram i don't know where it was but it's like there's one day and none of you know it but it's the last day you're all gonna hang out yeah i've seen that meme it's, yeah <laughs> it's like uh i've seen video game ones where it's like there's the last time that you guys like played online and it's like oh, last yeah. online 360 something days ago or like uh -huh. 700 and I, this was one of those days. This was one of the last times where we, where we like ha hanged out and like genuinely had fun. And we've, we've since then, we've still gotten together and we've still like, we've had some good times together. We, a mm -hmm. few years later, we would like play the Django and Chain drinking game and we were absolutely <laughs> hammered, but it was, but that was, that was when we were it's like, different. yeah. Cause now yeah. we're like, we were still adults. I was in college, but this was like one of the moments where it was like, we were like bona fide kids doing mm -hmm. kid shit and yeah. throwing like water balloons at each other. And I haven't been throwing a water balloon in years. Like, I guess like at a company picnic, but that's cause mm -hmm. you're like obliged to play those games. If not, you're not yeah. a team player. So whatever. But so we were, so this was that kind of day, you know, water balloons, okay. food, video games. And then it was like, I think my dad was like, Hey, we should all go watch transformers at my local theater. And we're like, Oh, that's fantastic. That's a great way to end the day. And we went on over, but um, because we found that we found the time before at home. I was like, oh, there's a movie that's going to start in 10 minutes. Let's go. Let's go. So we went over and we were late by like maybe five minutes. My dad bought the tickets, but because he was very pressured, he my dad is like a genius, uh, especially when it comes to watches. But when he's but he's really impatient, which is funny mm -hmm. for a watchmaker. <laughs> He, it's like he loses all sense of direction when he's like in a rush or when he's like stressed out. So in that moment, he still notices that we're five minutes late. He's like, oh, we got to go. We got to go. So he like grabs us and takes us into this theater without checking that it's the right theater. And we go in <laughs> and the movie's already started. And I'm like, oh, oh, let's go in. Let's go in. Let's go in. And I sit down and it's literally Shia LaBeouf meeting Optimus Prime for the first time with Megan Fox. <laughs> And so the Autobots are already like, oh, they have they've arrived on Earth. But if you've seen this movie, you know that they don't show up until half, basically halfway into the film. Oh, Jesus. So without knowing it, we had missed <laughs> the first 45 minutes of the film. But at the moment, it made sense. It's like, oh, Shia LaBeouf meeting Optimus Prime. Like these are two characters that are meeting 
we may have not missed that much. But it wasn't until years later when we bought the DVD that I realized, oh, we're missing 45 minutes. <laughs> and and here's the thing, too. What was really odd was I'm like, wait, what's happening? Who are these characters? What, what, what is going on? What's happening? And the film will have these huge expositional moments. So we, kind, we yeah. cut on really quickly. But it was really short. It was a short movie. I was like, wow, that was only an hour. Are you kidding me? I was like. This is really odd. I was like, this doesn't feel right. This we were only in there for like maybe an hour, fifteen minutes. That's it. That's the entire film. And I would, I, when I saw it at home, I'm like, oh no, this movie's two hours and thirty minutes. <laughs> we missed a, we missed basically an hour. That's funny. And everyone uh, was like, yeah, that felt a little weird. And my dad's like, just enjoy that movie. Oh uh, yeah, you had the same like pressure to like, if you don't like it, you're being ungrateful. Like, yeah. Well, he well he was like, that's just a movie. That's just. And I'm like, that felt off. That didn't feel right. And so, yeah, and I couldn't couldn't really enjoy it the first time. Because we missed 45 mm. fucking minutes of the movie. Jesus. Do you think your dad knew and he just didn't want anyone to call him out on it? No, 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 no. I think he was way too oblivious. I think he's, uh. I think with films, he, I think he's one of those viewers that just, like, turns off his mind when he's at a movie theater. <laughs> he is, he is. And, uh. Uh, totally oblivious i don't think he i don't even think he knows to this day that he missed really yeah, i don't think so well i don't he hasn't seen them like i don't think he's actively gone back to watch transformers the way he'll watch a movie sometimes is he'll see one of us watching a film walks by pauses to watch it and then sits down and watches the rest of the film just jumps in yeah just at jumps whatever in. point and then he starts asking fucking questions like who's that <laughs> i'm like shut the fuck up man i Jesus Christ! He almost did uh, that. He almost did that with Watchmen, but me and my sister nipped that in the bud. We're like, if you're gonna sit down, you're not gonna ask us questions. You're not gonna talk to us. You're just gonna watch it, and we'll answer questions afterwards. That was that was my first Transformers film. But eventually, I I did see it at home, and I I, I enjoyed it. That was the first time I actually enjoyed it. The first time I saw the film, and actually mm-hmm. enjoyed it all the way through. I. And since then, I'm like, I can't trust him with yeah. buying tickets and stuff. I just can't. I have to double check because check the times. <laughs> Jesus, Christ, 45 <laughs> minutes. You might have. And here's the thing, too. There are like 15 minutes of commercials. Like we would have been fine, but I oh, mean, like the trailers and everything. Yeah, because we showed up five minutes late. But we back then, I guess we even we thought that at seven o'clock, that's when the film started. But no, there's like mm. 15, 20 minutes of commercials, depending on what the film yeah. is. So do you remember? the teaser trailer for this movie i watched it recently and i'm like man there's a lot of people characters and not a lot of transformers in this trailer oh no 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 no! i'm talking about the teaser trailer you're talking about the, the teaser- trailer oh okay, okay. The, the teaser, teaser trailer the teaser trailer totally I don't remember sold the me. Teaser trailer. So it's basically, you know, when people start when they they don't know they're watching the transformers teaser trailer they're just seeing they're seeing it for the first time and this is the huge announcement for the transformers film for the wide audiences i see it now and i it does not get me it doesn't because it does not get my no because it reminds me of uh independence day it seems like it's some kind of alien invasion movie and i don't think that that's what transformers is it's it's like a war between two sides man you're overthinking it no that had me hyped because they're setting it up like it's kind of like there's ooh there's a mystery it's a spooky spookums mystery you know it's what's happening then you hear the giant footsteps and you're like what the hell and then you you get a, a little 
two second glimpse of it and it's like oh wait wait and then you see the title card transform it's like oh they're coming into earth and oh it looks great i remember seeing that as a kid and i got wild i was like see that that's interesting because you haven't um you never watched the cartoons or did you have any of the toys i think i had like maybe like maybe two or three little toys but i think I think were I they just, even Transformers, or were they like microbots or whatever? <laughs> they might, they might have been the ripoff ones, for all I know. That I didn't recognize who the. I knew I had a toy where it was like it transformed into a helicopter, but I don't know if that's like a an actual Transformers like Bandai toy or something. Yeah, the history of Transformers is pretty interesting. Did you know that they were toys first? Right? Did you watch that episode of the Toys That Made Us? It's so crazy. So, like, it's post-war Japan, right? Like, reconstruction, like, after uh, World War II. And they were selling toys, right? Selling G.I. Joes in Japan. But, like, the image of a U.S. soldier is kind of, like, hard to sell. So they changed the G.I. Joe into, like, this um, translucent guy called, like, a, a transforming soldier or something like that. And then that led to like robots that could transform into vehicles. And then there's two different kinds of them, like like microbots or something. And then they sold it back to the U.S. and they called it Transformers. And they gave all the toys names, and they made the whole like story up and everything. So the toys led to the cartoon, and the cartoon led to the movies. Yeah, the cartoon was a way to sell the toys. Oh. Isn't that crazy? Like, we had a toy. Let's get a cartoon, put it on TV so people know about it. It clearly worked, though. Yeah, it worked very well. I, I've never seen the actual cartoons, you know, but I know about, I even knew about the the brand. Yeah, and there, there's different, like, versions of the show. Like, the I think the original one came out in, like, 83 or something, and I'm not very familiar with that. Uh, I was more familiar with Beast Wars. Do you remember Beast Wars? So, like, after the Transformers, they kind of died down. They're trying, like, oh, we need to, like, rebrand it and get people interested in it again. And do you remember that show Reboot? That one sounds more familiar. Damn. Um, basically, it's, like, a, an animated, it's, like, computer-generated graphics. You know, so it's, like, 3D oh, yeah, models. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember Reboot. Yeah. I remember Reboot and I remember Beast Wars. They're both in that same style. And in Beast Wars, like Optimus Prime was Optimus Primal, and he was a gorilla that transformed into a robot. The Hotshot, or Bumblebee, I think it was Hotshot, uh, but he was like Cheetara or whatever, or Cheetor, Cheetabot, I don't know. Starscream was a Velociraptor, Dinobot, I think Megatron was just Megatron, but he was a T-Rex. In the beginning came the beasts, but nature lies, they're robots in disguise. Beast Wars! Heroic new Maximals battle the evil reptile and insect forces of the Predacons. Evil Waspinator changes from insect to high-tech and puts the sting on Cheetor. But there's more to Cheetor than meets the eye. Under the skin lurks a robot within, with hidden weapons firing. All new Beast Wars! Each sold separately. Yeah, I'm, I love that show. So I was familiar with the Transformers former like franchise and i had some of the toys and i think like the coolest thing about transformers is they look like 
something else, but they're actually a robot. Like, and then like the toy itself is kind of like a puzzle because it's not like flip, 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 you know, it's very complicated how to like transform them into their different forms. Then I guess I had the bootleg toys because mine were like, click, click. Like, there you go. <laughs> I forgot what they were called, but that, that, uh, the toys that made this episode is super interesting. So the toys made the TV show, TV show made the movies. Now let's look at the let's look at the reviews cuz this uh this did all right. You know, it had a 58% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh 85% with audiences. The critics that's 58% out of 228 reviews. So that's a solid number. And the consensus is while believable characters are hard to come by in Transformers, the effects are staggering and the action is exhilarating. At least from the last time I saw it, I I totally agree with that. I remember and honestly, I think it's the believable characters are hard to come by. I think everyone, you know, does a de- does a good job, especially Shia LaBeouf. I think it was spectacular. I I feel like there's too many. From what I remember, there's too many human characters, and I wanted to know more about the robots. See, which but, I but that this was is the, the same. Way... This is the same grip that you had with Independence Day, and this is, and I think that's why I'm way more. I, I'm way more acclimated to this style of uh, of storytelling, or not acclimated, but I'm way more forgiving, because Transformers and Independence Day are pretty similar. You have an alien yeah, invasion. but even that tra- the teaser is similar. Yeah, and it's like you have these two fraction. You have a, a large ensemble cast of people each working to fight this alien invasion, and in this in Transformers, it's just that the Transformers are working with the Autobots are working with the humans, but that's pretty much it. I really enjoy that kind of style. I like people coming together. I'm fine with that style. I'm fine with things being a little hectic and characters being all over the place. Yeah, it's fine if the characters are interesting. I thought they were. I I didn't think that they were interesting. I found them entertaining because that because I remember laughing at a lot of what Shia was doing because I think he was a funny guy. I got his shtick, and he, granted, he's not you know he's not totally a uh, interesting character, but you know I like him. One of the one of the things is like a lot of the criticism that you'll see is like, why do I like the characters? Why am I supposed to root for the characters? Why am I supposed to? Yeah. And I'm kind of basic. I'm like, I just like them. Like, if they're funny, I want them to succeed. If they really, if they have a goal that I could get behind, I want, I want them to succeed. And Shia's likable. He's cool, and I'm like, he's funny. So I'm like, all right, I can. That's all really. That's all the reasons I need for, especially for a big giant blockbuster film. What would have what would have really irritated me was if he was like annoying, not funny, kind of bland. But at least this is how I feel about like everybody else in this movie. <laughs> I'd I'd have to rewatch it, but I don't remember feeling that way about anyone else. But I mean, it's it's been a minute, so we'll see. So it was fifty percent when the first Transformers came out, and I just really want to talk. I just want to quickly talk about the other films because it's. The follow-up, Revenge of the Fallen, got a 20%. Transformers Dark of the Moon went up a little bit with 35%. Age of Extinction, 18%. Transformers The Last Night, 15%. And Bumblebee, 92%. So Bumblebee is the only certified fresh film. <laughs> how how about the, uh, like, where did they, how much money did they make, those movies? Bumblebee made the least amount of money. I know I for know. a fact. Wasn't it also the lowest, uh, lowest budget of the the six of them actually let me look that up right now because so bumblebee had a budget between one to 105 102 to 135 102 to 135 million which is less 
extend the budget from the first film, which is 150 million. So that, so even that one had a bigger budget than Bumblebee, and I'm assuming it only went up from there. Yeah. Because I know for a fact, Dark of the Moon, Age of Existence, Age of Extinction, made a billion for sure. Oh, the last night did not make a billion. It made 605 million. Wow. So between Age of Extinction and the last night, Age of Extinction made one billion. That's a fourth one. Four hundred million dollar loss hmm that's franchise fatigue right there and that's what happens when you get rid of shia labeouf but that's that's interesting that between four and five they lost 400 million last night might have been made at a loss actually if we think about it because the budget is 260 the with 260 right. million and they and they made 605 million but if you double it just just to assume, if you double 260, if you add 260 on top of the budget for marketing costs, they might have barely made a profit. It was definitely less than they were expecting. Oh yeah, if they made any money, it was very little. They might have, they might have been in the red with with last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, not as bad. I, I don't think they would have been in the red, but I think they were just like, hmm, I, we expected more from this. Well, it depends because I know like Justice League has the same Justice League has the same numbers kind of. And a lot of people consider that to be a box office flop. Yeah, let me see. Justice League had a budget of three hundred million, and it made six hundred fifty-seven million, and it was a flop. So May last night seems to be closer to it's not as big as a flop, but it definitely seems like it was very tight. And it, it changed the the next one. Like the next one wasn't even directed by Michael Bay. It wasn't a continuation of that story. It was, it a, was prequel. a prequel. That's uh, interesting. That's that probably why because of the designed to step in another direction change direction i know that they were trying to expand their universe because i know that they had hired robert kirkman the writer of the walking dead they had like writers kind of come up with ideas to how to how to expand their uh transformers universe but after the last after the last night with the critical reception and it not being a financial success i mean they probably figured like ah, eh, let's just let's just make this bumblebee film mm-hmm but Bumblebee didn't even break a, a billion, though. Well, it, you know the you don't need to make as much if you have a smaller budget. But it made four hundred sixty-eight million. So I don't even mm. think I don't even think that if they were to, uh, I don't know, because the first Transformers was made with one hundred fifty million, and it made it, it grows seven hundred million. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, these are not the numbers that they wanted. Yeah, yeah. franchise fatigue probably. Mm-hmm. It's interesting when you look at franchise fatigue because I feel like when you have films that are released not annually but like you know every other year for the first couple of years everyone's like really on top of it but after that mm-hmm. there's just a huge gap where interest just falls if you're not constantly changing up the formula but I mean you have people going to go watch Lion King Aladdin I don't um, get it well I think I don't get how Lion King is the number two movie of the year. I think it's because I, I think what it is, it's how many tries, how many times these studios have tried to reboot or continue the story. Because if you think about it, Lion King hasn't been in the news since the theater show in Broadway, but they've never attempted to remake it or redo it. Right. The film, the original one came out in 93 and they made direct to DVD or direct to VHS sequels. Mm-hmm. But that's it. 25 years later they they just make it so everyone's kind of curious how is this going to play out 
Same with Aladdin. Because I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out like why how can you predetermine which which franchises still have life in them and stuff? Because I mean you're looking at the Top Gun trailer, Matt Top Gun Maverick that just came out and it's getting a lot of good buzz and this is a mm-hmm. sequel that's kind of like a reboot for new people who haven't seen the previous Top Gun. I'm trying to figure out if you could determine a way which franchise is gonna which franchise which still has legs and i was gonna say that maybe it's by how many times these two studios are trying to bring them into into the mainstream like transformers but i think transformers is gone i I don't i don't know how how much it has in it left yeah and i think the the previous films the way they went downhill like critically um i think that it kind of turns people off to see the next one well i know that i know that's how uh terminator fans felt just every time that a film came out it's just not living up to the hype mm-hmm. that now you do have a film that is getting great reviews and they're just like eh, i don't want to watch it and they've already done the whole like retcon thing before and it didn't work so now they're trying again i or well i don't know man because again, that doesn't explain Charlie's Angels. It doesn't explain. But anyway, so Transformers, uh, a yes. budget of 150 million, released on June 28, 2007, and it grossed 709 million dollars. So no wonder they were gonna make. There's no. They, they were gonna make a sequel, mm-hmm. and it did well. You know, reviews. You know, 58. 58 is not a bad number. I know it got that rotten stamp on it, but it's. The way I just see that is, you know, 58% of the people knew what they were going to watch and they enjoyed it. The rest <laughs> the rest were like, ah, I just wasn't feeling it. That's the way I see it. So I'm I'm curious to rewatch it. Yeah, me too. Maybe maybe I'll see something else in the movie, but I, I don't know. I doubt you will. If I can make a prediction, I don't think you're going to like this film. <laughs> I figured if any film was going to turn it around, it's going to be Independence Day. And if that didn't turn you around, I doubt. That movie's... Uh, I, d- I doubt you're going to like this one. I mean, I hope you do, because I want you to just sit down and enjoy a film. I can, if it's good. If there's something about it that I, I, I can, like, that's really clever. That's, that's really funny. That's really cool that they did that this way. I just don't think that there was a lot of thought in, in making the story of this movie. Like visually, it I don't know. I remember it being very confusing. Uh, Which is funny because that's a common that's a common criticism of it. But I I've never had that problem. Like I don't I don't get dizzy. I don't get distracted. I could I could follow everything for the most part pretty well. And but that always seems to be a complaint for people. It's like I can't tell what's happening. And I'm like, oh no, I I could. I have no problem. That's Megatron. That's Optimus, and they're fighting. He just threw a he just threw a jab at his throat. Oh, he just I I don't know why. That's I I don't know why that's never been a problem mm. for me. But I'm glad it's not because if you are someone who has a hard time following it, you know, then I could see it taking you out of the experience. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna now take a break. We're gonna watch the movie, and we're gonna come back, and we're gonna review it, and we're gonna talk about it legacy i guess we were kind of talking about its legacy a little bit we could probably maybe we'll notice something while we're watching the film yeah go a little more in depth and then we'll try to like 
paint the picture that was the summer of 2007 so you know what kind of environment this movie came out in and maybe that had something to do with success that it that it had you know because i i'm i feel like this movie is not gonna hold up very well but if you recontextualize it you know maybe you'll see why it did or maybe we'll see why it did yeah it's weird it's this stuff usually plays differently especially a decade later all right we'll see you guys in a minute all right See ya. Their appearance is deceiving. It's a robot. What? A super advanced robot. It's probably Japanese. Their presence is a mystery. The year's biggest adventure. This thing is wicked. Arrives. Transformers. Hate movies without a trip to the video store. All right, everyone, we are back from watching Transformers, the Michael Bay one from 2007. And I I think this movie is worse than when I originally saw it. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it, the movies that we've seen are like, yeah, this holds up, this holds up, this holds up. I, this is about the same. This is definitely worse. 1,000% worse watching it now in 2020 i disagree but it definitely doesn't hold up to as well as i remember it when i was younger so you do um, agree it, no i think it, i still like the movie and i still think it's pretty good uh i think it does a lot of things right but it definitely doesn't hold up right that's that's what i said yeah, so yeah. It's, you agree. I, I i still like it a lot more than you but it definitely does not hold up but i think it's because well all right just, well, you go ahead you first because i feel like you've got a lot to say I mean, like, do you know much about the Transformers before? No, right? This was your introduction to the Transformers world? Yes. I never saw the cartoons before this. Okay. And I guess I, I just saw the, the Beast Wars one, but all the robots, they had personality, right? You could distinguish one from the other. Like, oh, that's classic Starscream doing his, his whining thing. A lot of the Transformers had robots, person had personalities. Yeah. And in this one, they don't at all. Except for, like, a few of them, I guess. And one of them... Oh, my God. So I made an index card for racist jokes. And originally, I was trying to, like, put down all my thoughts of, of the movie, right? I was going to have, like, racist jokes, funny stuff, sexism, lines that are, like, throwbacks to the original, like, series and all this. This was just, like, a, a cheat sheet for this podcast. I ended up filling up the index card with just racist stuff that I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this was not my intent, but I'm like, man, I, I was trying to fit everything I want to say about this movie on one card, and it's just, nope. Fair enough. Well, let me, let me so, we kind of talked about this a little bit recently, because I didn't mind, I didn't mind the racist jokes. I, particularly, I don't really mind All right, them. you say that, you say that now, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, should I just go into how racist this movie is? first go before for it, yeah. you try to defend his because 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 here's the thing i don't think anything because there is one super racist thing in the entire franchise and i don't think anything in this film tops that particular thing but go for it Show, I, I i i will be amazed if anything can top everything in this movie no I'm, anything I'm, can top it. i'm pretty All sure because right. it, it there's one lo really low point with it so but go for it okay so the first thing that we see is like these soldiers on the helicopter, right? Talking about their 2D, their, uh, their tour or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know you're going with this. <laughs> and the dude, one guy 
it's like talking about his mother's alligator etouffee. Etouffee? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Etouffee. Do you know what that is? I don't. I'm... Do you know where regionally people eat this? New Orleans, probably? Yeah, it's, it's a, uh, a um, Cajun dish. Okay. Right. And then, uh, what's his name? Tyrese Gibson? Yes, Ty- that is? Yeah, yeah, Ty- Tyrese Gibson. The woo! Bring it! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bring the rain! He just he Bring says that. Yeah, he does say that. Uh, and he says bruh. He's a lot what? In. Bring it! So, Tyrese Gibson, he's not a fan of alligators and crickets. And he's like, man, don't talk about your mama's stuff. And then the dude responds speaking spanish and then tyrese gibson speaks mock spanish back to him because he he hates hearing him talk spanish (laughs) and like it's not just blah 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 blah, blah. no it's the subtitles literally say mock spanish (laughs) (laughs) like english dude speak english we don't speak spanish how many times we have to tell you one of the white dudes with the glasses like the guy that gets killed later on he says he talks about fenway park how like there's nothing beats a a, a cold beer at fenway park and then the guy who speaks spanish he responds yeah those that's the best place in the world so is the dude from boston or is he from fucking louisiana he just likes fenway park he loves he he loves fenway park so he is he do you think he's from boston then no, I don't think so. But he's clearly been to Fenway Park, so... A Mexican doesn't have to like Mexican stuff, Austin. Why do you think he's Mexican? Because his name is Amari, um, Amauri Lo- Nolasco. But isn't, like, the alligator etouffee, like, more of a Cuban thing? Oh, shit, you know what? He could... Damn. Uh Oh, no, we're both wrong. He's Puerto Rican. Oh, yeah. He's okay. Puerto Rican, that... yeah. No, so we're both racist. <laughs> well, I, I said, is an alligator etouffee? Etouffee more of a Cuban thing. I didn't say he was Cuban. Mm, I don't know. You mean the actor is is Puerto Rican or yes. the character? No, no, the actor. Okay. The actor is Puerto Rican. Remember, so you think that this character is canon Puerto Rican because the actor is canon Puerto Rican in mm. real life. He he could be he could have been, like been born in Boston, but like he's such a side character that he doesn't matter. His he only the thing the only thing he does is talk Spanish, and it annoys the rest of his soldier friends. Because they can't That's understand him. Yeah. He speaks Spanish when he's, like, upset or excited, and people just, like, berate him for it. Yeah. That's his character. And then he might die. We don't know. Oh, we yeah, he, he gets hurt in the battle with the Scorpion Knock. Or Scorp- Scorpion Knock. Or the Scorpion... The Scorpion uh, Decepticon. The Scorpion Decepticon that's never named. It's called the Scorpion Knock. When do they name it the Scorpion Knock? The, the, the Decepticons. Later when? on, they said the name because I caught the name. <laughs> you did? Okay. Yeah, maybe. All right. That's what. That's not even that bad. The I I guarantee you, no moment in your index card is as racist as the one that I found. Um, I, I okay. This is just about like the la- Latino culture, right? Um, oh yeah. Oh, and and they do everything. They do a lot of stuff. The the next uh, bullet point on my uh, card is the Bobby Bolivia. <laughs> Bernie Mac. <laughs> Bernie Mac, but his name is Bobby Bolivia. Yeah. Like the country, but without, without the runs. The runs. Yeah. Gentlemen. Bobby Bolivia, like the country, except without the runs. <laughs> How can I help? Well, my son here, looking to buy his first car. You come to see me? I had to. That practically makes us family. I'll go Bobby B, baby. 
Uncle Bobby B? Sam. Sam. Son, I'm a lot of things. Lies, not one of them. Mm. Especially not in front of my mammy. That's my mammy. Hey, mammy! Oh, don't be like that. If I had a rock, I'd bust your head, bitch. Same as she deaf, you know? <laughs> now I'm like, okay, maybe maybe this is a character that's existed in the comics. No? <laughs> no, he just exists in this movie. Yeah, he's a car salesman. He's a, It's a it's cameo. A, it's a reference to Wild at Heart. The David Lynch movie from like '93 oh, or something with Nick Cage and Laura Dern, right? Yes, Willem Dafoe plays a character called Bobby Peru, like the country. Oh, <laughs> and that's where the that's where the line ends, like the country. But whoever wrote this movie was like, I like that, but I want to make it racist. <laughs> Bobby Africa, but without like the country, but without the AIDS. No, that's that's too much. How about Bobby Bolivia, like the country without the runs? And then he he has two Latino auto mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> don't and don't call Ricky Ricardo on me. <laughs> exactly. The the dude's like I what I've never seen that camera before. That's loco. Don't go Ricky Ricardo. What is how is he going Ricky Ricardo? <laughs> I well here's the thing. Here's the thing about this. A lot of it's and it's and I'll I'll admit that it's a bit juvenile in its humor because it's not. There's and here's the and here's the thing about as a whole as a whole in the film and I always knew this I I even knew this back when I saw it in 2007 where a lot of the 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 characters and a lot of the jokes are very juvenile and very one note you'll think of for example like Cheers or Frasier or like comedy shows Thirty Rock the jokes are very layered they're set up they're paid off you know they're they're done very intelligently you know what I mean. This is more capturing just a general... It's almost a juvenile vulgarity that you're either into or you're not. Well, it's, there's a difference between, like, having Bumblebee, like, I guess, pee on Johnny well, Turturro. John Turturro. Mm-hmm. That's juvenile. But, like, yeah. when you go out of your way... Like, you could name this character anything. Anything. But you choose that moment to shit on another country with, like... a an epidemic basically it's a little worse than juvenile it's there's a disregard it, it's straight up racist and for some reason it doesn't particular to be perfectly honest it doesn't particularly upset me and i i think it was i think it's because of the i think it's because of my background because i don't because I, I was i was telling you you know i grew up at a very early age listening to these early 90s 80s stand-up comics one of my favorite radios on Pandora was rock comedy, which is like totally not very offensive, very, very out there. And it replicated a lot of my childhood growing up in growing up in L.A., where basically the schoolyard was kind of like the like the, the frontier where any jokes went and stuff like that. For the most part, there was like um, imaginary lines that we wouldn't cross. And that's kind of what the vibe from this entire that I get from this movie and. Are the jokes always funny? No, like what? Wait, what was the uh, cultural background of the people in your school? Uh, Hispanic, like the Hispanic, Black, Samoan, Asian. Not so much in my high school. At least we had like maybe less than ten white people, but predominantly it's Hispanic. Like predominantly Hispanic. We we outnumber everyone. But the cultural background of this movie is like mostly white. Yeah. 
So you don't think it's a problem when a guy, when a writer's in a writer's room made up of a bunch of white guys just poke fun at people of color and put it in a movie that makes millions of dollars? See, and here's the thing. There are moments where that exact, exact instance happens that it really upsets me. But for some reason, this film gets away with it. Like, I am, like, it's, I don't really see it too badly. There is one joke where I'm like, ooh, that didn't age well. And it's kind of problematic. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's not uh, in this. It's probably it's, later on in my card. Is it in it, this movie or? No, it's not. And it's okay. it's the worst instance. I'm, I'm of not even half. I think I'll be halfway done on my card. Um, oh no! It's it's. I guarantee you this thing. So I'm a, I'm gonna tell you what it is because I guarantee you nothing in your card is gonna be as bad as this. All right. In the second one, Revenge of the Fallen, uh, there are two characters. I know one of their names. I let me find the other one real quick. But there are two Transformers that come in, and they're stereotypically, they're played to be stereotypical black people. But you know how kind of like people will do that? Like jazz? Huh? Like jazz? Yes, jazz. Exactly like jazz. But he, these guys are taken to cartoonishly racist levels. It's one of those things that just has not aged at all. What's, what's, it's, uh, one of them is Mudflap, and the other one's name is... Okay, Skids and Mudflap. And they're played... Like, one of them has a gold tooth. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. One of them has a gold tooth. And the, and at one point, one of the lines is, we don't do much reading. Jeez. That is verbatim a line from that second one. And the worst part, they're not even voiced by black people. Jesus. They're voiced by the guy that did SpongeBob. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. That oh is the God. low... That is... It's so the hey we don't understand you because you're speaking spanish that's like a bunt compared to like so like basically mudflap and skids are like stealth blackface characters yes because they're cgi robots they're blackface characters speaking of blackface <laughs> oh, bernie God. mac calls his grandmother mammy mammy yeah mm -hmm. and then he talks about his the car that he brought from alabama and like i was like do people from the south call alabama alabama so I Googled it, right? I just Googled the word Alabama and I got two hits. And they're both songs that are popular in minstrel shows. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. If anyone's listening from Alabama and they call it Alabama and it's not a racist thing, but let us know, I guess. <laughs> See, I didn't even know that. And it's it's very weird because for the most part, a lot of these jokes don't bother me. But it, they didn't bother me as a kid. But growing up now... A lot of the jokes are falling flat where I think they're just they were overdoing it. And I think one of the one of the most egregious example is Bumblebee peeing on John Turturro. I can never pronounce his name. John Turturro. Yeah. And it's uh, Agent John Turturro. And like that didn't land as well. Big guys, big guys, a big gun. What is Sector 7? Answer me. I'm the one who asks questions around here. Not you, young man. How'd you know about the aliens? Where did you take my parents? I am not at liberty to dis no? discuss it. Hey, you touch me, that's a federal offense. Do whatever you want and get away with the badge, right? Yeah. Brave now, all of a sudden, with his big alien friend standing over there. Where's Sector 7? Wouldn't you like to know? Bumblebee, stop lubricating the man. Get that thing to stop, huh? Um, I know, like, uh, Sam Witwicky, played by uh, Shia LaBeouf, his, like, his white, his, like, weird white friend is, like, 
really odd and not funny at all. He They get to that party and he starts climbing the tree. Yeah, it's really odd. It's just, why is he climbing the tree? Oh, so they can make fun of him for climbing the tree. Yeah. A lot of that stuff just doesn't really play out. But for the most part, I still... And that's how the film hasn't aged that well for me. I think in the comedy aspects, a lot of those jokes haven't aged well. And even I'm someone... And, I, and again, I don't think for a lot of people they've aged well. People who are like, like extremely sensitive to like uh, jokes related about race, gender, sexuality. Yeah, this I could totally see that not not aging well. And even for someone who, for the most part, like is okay with these, there are some jokes where I'm like, oh no, like this is not... Oh boy. And that mud flap and skid and skid one is just like, oh, what were you guys thinking? This would not have fl- flown in like 2020. If there was one black writer in the room, they would have been like, hey, you can't do that. But there's not. It's just made by a bunch of white people who don't care about that, <laughs> who think it's funny, like putting on blackface and like making fun of black people. I think that's cool. And that's one of the things where you just don't even like, what was this, the decision making behind this? And I and their justification was well, it's for kids. It's not supposed to be something you take seriously. Which again is this whole franchise. This isn't, you know, a franchise that you're supposed to. It's not. Michael Bay has always been self-aware about where he stands in the in his role in Hollywood. He makes these big bombastic films. They're really just meant as popcorn entertainment. And I, for the most part, agree. And I agree that there are a lot of ki- this is a lot of mo- this is a movie for kids. But then when you do stuff like that, like Mudflat, it's, it's like I don't oh. even think this this one isn't really for kids. I mean, I think so. I saw it as a kid. Or I saw it when it came out. Yeah, was... yeah, but like like the the first death is like the guy gets impaled through the chest by the scorpion tail, and then mm. his body's like being like flung around and. A... <laughs> well, what do you what do you mean by kids? Ten? Because I saw this when I was fifteen, fourteen, I think. Cause I mean, I cause I I don't see this being different than like what Marvel does. Uh, they cut off Thanos's head in the vi- very beginning of Endgame. Yeah, but that's like, and that's and at a... the end of Infinity War, half the people get ghosted. Like there were kids crying yeah. in my theater. Yeah, and nobody. And the thing is, those are like big characters. Those are characters that kids have grown to love. Yeah, and here it's like one white guy that gets got by a scorpion, like a scorpion Decepticon. It's like okay, and we don't even see him get impaled. It's like really oh, quickly cut. I guess, but you just see his body like being flung around. I thought it was kind of funny because like I, I thought it was that was funny. one of the because that was one of the dudes. I was like, dude, speak English. Yeah, like fuck that guy. <laughs> he was he was just so out of it. Dude, when he does die, it's like well. But you needed those characters in this film. Characters that don't really have much of an objective because you need to see people at least this someone that you're needs fam- a body count. Oh yeah. With giant like That's dumb. Twenty eight foot, thirty foot giant robots going to war without a body count? Come on. This isn't saving Private Ryan. We're not gonna have a group of band of brothers come together and oh my god, we're gonna develop them for two and a half hours to save my Matt Damon's uh younger version Shia LaBeouf which he's great in the film by the way I think he's fantastic I, I don't think he's very good well I, it's okay like he he tries he uses his experience as like a child actor to like try to bring life to Sam Witwicky yeah but like in in contrast like look at Megan Fox in this movie Ooh. she's she's not given any direction as a character she's just a prop and you Basically, know what? She just looks pretty. 
and like looking into the making of this film, I felt really bad for Megan. Yeah. And like in like in retro, it's one of those things where in retrospect you look back and you're like, man, they did her wrong. Because yeah, do you know how she auditioned for the film? How did she audition? So I, this is from an article online, and it's called "Let's See: uh, Dark Secrets Behind the Making of Transformers," and it talks about how like. Shia LaBeouf got physically hurt a lot of the time with the stunts. Uh, how Michael Bay was kind of like a dictator. People tried to like publicly shame Megan Fox when she like went against the film. How uh, Hugo Ve- Weaving, uh, Mr. Smith, yeah. hated working on this franchise. He's like he only he was in the booth for only two hours voicing all of his lines. And Gee, yeah, Megatron's hardly in this movie. That pissed me off. He yeah well it's no investment in his character prior i was fine with the villain coming in halfway of the film but here's the worst here's the thing about megan fox megan fox auditioned for her role by washing michael bay's ferrari so are you fucking kidding me yeah that's, that's not real it's her audition actually consisted of going over to his house and washing his ferrari as she scrubbed away at the foreign car he also filmed her assessing the way she looked while bending over it oh my god now if her what? audition tape doesn't really seem monstrous creepy fox claimed she doesn't have any idea what happened to the reel when bay was asked about the tape he responded with eh, i don't know where it's where it is either jesus so they have a quote of him now again this could have they could have totally made this up and i'm probably just like regurgitating misinformation i tried looking it up i can't find it but man that is insane and megan fox has done interviews afterwards where she's talked about kind of how especially early on like in the two, 2000s and some people like really sexualized her and like people were yeah. actively being creepy to her and yeah. it's just like like man. sam witwick is in this movie <laughs> yeah it's i just feel way like really terrible for her and i'm like damn like i'm real sorry man i'm real sorry yeah. i can't i can't i don't i don't know how else to and they gave her they gave her such a flat character so flat and like she's like trying to fix his car and everything right yeah and he's not listening to a word she's saying because he's checking her out he's checking out her like super slim waistline and like thinking about all the things he wants to do to her and then when he drives her back home she says do you think i'm shallow like that's the most bass backwards like line i've ever heard in my life yeah and then they insert the there's more to you than meets the eye that made my eyes roll a little bit, especially now. Like, I get it because it's a line from the original song, mm-hmm. right? But it's um, just, it just doesn't work. You could have had, you could have done something. It's really... so forced. Yeah. Now they're just, I want to, I want to have this line in here, mm-hmm. make it work. It doesn't. Too bad. It's in there. It's not great. They definitely, and that's one. And it's funny because back then I didn't really notice it. I like their relationship, Sam and and May, or Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox. I think they have some. I think they're kind of great together. I think there is some chemistry between them, and it gets even better in the second and third one, or second one. I'm sorry, not the third one. Is she even in the third one? No, no. She that she was fired. She called Michael Bay a Hitler. dictator. She called him Hitler, and then Steven Spielberg, I think, fired her, and so they replaced Megan Fox with Rosie Huntington Whiteley. Um. Mm who came in to replace Megan Fox. So. But I think I think Megan, May, for what's given to her, I think Megan Fox does a good job. But they gave her very little. So little. There's, like, what does she even want in life? What does her character want? What is she motivated by? Honestly, I don't really know what to tell you. 
there's, there's just nothing. It makes me so mad. And that's one of the things. That's why this film hasn't aged well. Because especially back yeah, then, cause... it was one of those things where it's like, oh, it's an action blockbuster. It's very, it's just straightforward. And you watch it now, it's like, man, like some of the comedy beats don't really land. Megan Fox's character doesn't. Michaela doesn't really land. Like, there's like a, a few f- uh, female characters, and they're they're all pay- basically like, who cares? She's she's a girl. She's hot. Let her talk. Show her body. And we're done with her scene. The character they don't do that with is the Australian hacker. Which makes me feel like she wasn't a woman in the script. Oh, really? I don't know for sure, but like I, I feel like she wasn't a woman in the script. Like she figures out their plan. She finds out that it's AI doing yeah. these. She's the yeah, first one she's, on it. She's not named until like she meets Anthony Anderson. Yeah. Uh, Maggie? Yes. That to me isn't... An egregious thing because I uh, these are side characters. I'm I've always been one of those people. Where it's like supporting characters, main characters, and I'm really terrible with names. So I'm like, but like I, the the more scenes you give to these side characters, like then they they better like they better matter, you know. Yeah, well, Otherwise, she, you're taking away from the the main drama from like Sam Witwicky and uh, Michaela, wherever her name is. And I feel like Maggie's the character that kind of starts figuring, like outside of Sam, because he's dealing with with Bumblebee and and the Optimus firsthand. Maggie's the first person in the government in the army who starts figuring out things by herself. So I feel like they should have made her a little bit more important. I mean, that's again, it doesn't it doesn't totally upset me because it's not supposed to be. It's just wasted screen time. I wouldn't say wasted screen time. Why doesn't I, Sam know Anthony Anderson and he asks him to, to hack the, the thing? Or the one of the soldiers, they like, oh, we know someone that can, you know, it's just like, why is why do you have to go through this, this extra loop, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not clean. It's not clean at all. The reason, there's like, I can admit a lot of the downfalls, the pitfalls in the story. The reason I forgive it, because the action's fantastic. I still love it. I think the music's fantastic. I love the cinematography. I think all of that's great. I And I think all of that holds up. And because it's super entertaining, I'm like, you know what? Uh, I can acknowledge all these problems, but man, no one can do action like Michael Bay can. No one. I think the, the action still looks pretty good. And probably because most of it's practical, right? Like when the cars are flipping around, the explosions. Yeah. Those are you, all real explosions. If you look at a lot of the things, Michael Bay has always been really good with filming practical and CGI. Because he does he does a lot of his stuff practically, and not just explosions, but like car stuff. He I showed you the clip of the highway yeah. chase where uh, Gridlock breaks through the the bus, and they actually filmed that. And that's a super. And they're like, that's a dangerous stunt, but we're yeah. gonna try and get it right. So we put Richard Epper in the bus, and uh, I drove the the Bay Bomber and chased it with four cameras on the front end. But no one really knew what the bus was gonna do. I think it worked out really well, and I think it's because effects did a, an excellent job on prepping that bus for us. So it's like those guys are the guys that made us look good on that one. The main thing is, is uh, my good friend Richard Eppard safe, and uh, that's that's all I think about going down there. In the end, it's just a movie, but it's a, it's a Michael Bay movie, and that's what we do. You get the bang for the buck when you're with Michael. Actually, no one was hurt on this movie. I mean, we've had a, a, a really spotless track record for such a long time. And, uh, you know, knock on wood, 
because uh, it's a, you know, by the way, it's just a dangerous business. What we do, what they're doing is dangerous. And they got it, and no one was hurt. And the guy that was driving That's the, great. the bus was like, a lot of these studios, a lot, a lot of people just want to do a CGI. This movie reminds me why I appreciate Michael Bay, because he has such a style that no other director really can do as or he has a lot he like quentin tarantino he has a style and there are a lot of imitators but nobody really gets it what upsets me a lot is a lot of the stuff that they'll do is cgi they won't even film it right so it'll look off on stuff michael bay's like no there are certain things that we could do practically and certain things we can't we're gonna try to do as much practically because that will sell the scenes there's a scene uh, in downtown when they lift up the bus in order to because Starscream's coming in and he's shooting missiles and they lift yeah. up the bus. That was actually done practically. That was done with a huge rig and a propulsion system mm -hmm. to lift up the bus. And it's and I think to a lot of casual view, maybe a lot audiences like I don't get why you go out of your way or like I think casual viewers, producers, maybe even some other directors be like, why don't you just CGI that? But Michael Bay's one of the few like, no. That helps sell this stuff. So like, this is a film from 2007 that I think still looks brilliant. I I really don't think nothing comes to mind immediately where I'm like, oh, the VFX have aged badly. I can't really think of a scene. Yeah. I don't know if you. The only th the thing that visually like upsets me is like not being able to tell the emotions of the Transformers Which... when you, they zoom in on their on their face, like with the exception of Bumblebee. I well, think. no, I think they 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 put a lot of work into Optimus as well because he had two hundred two hundred plates and moving pieces because they had to he had to convey emotion because he his Optimus's uh inspiration was Liam Neeson. They were trying to recreate a certain stoicism that Liam has, and they were like, and there and so a lot of the people were like, well, why don't you just keep it to the original and have. A mouth plate covering his mouth and michael bay is just like no we have to be able to see his mouth move we have to be able to see all of this because that way audiences can connect with him and they do right They're, and with bumblebee they had to do a lot of the work with his body animations because he can't speak yeah i think his his eyes look like you can tell how he's feeling with his eyes yeah well, i think and, they did a pretty good job of that oh yeah it's like vision, and these are close-ups on something that's completely fake, but they look really good. The transformations are fantastic, the the explosions, everything, and the way they're filmed too. Do you, you know the sound that plays when they're transforming? Yeah. That's from the cartoon. Yeah, that's another thing that they brought over. It's there. That's one thing they brought over. <laughs> well, I mean, but they couldn't. How much could they bring? They could bring. A, they could have brought a lot more. They made references to actions and like action scenes from the from the cartoon, but not too much. It's not as extensive as Speed Racer, which we talked about. Has it's basically a one for one transformation. They took some but liberties. Like it's, they took some liberties, but like it still feels like a a Speed Racer movie. Yeah. Speed Racer. I don't think this really feels like a Transformers thing. Honestly, I don't care. I <laughs> as, as someone who as someone who's never seen the show. I, I don't care. I think this the the TV, the movies have enough of an identity and enough of a feeling where I'm okay and I I can mess with it. I'm like I'm fine with this. I like what's happening. Yeah, and you know I mean some hardcore Transformers fans. It's, it's just like little little things like the there's a Boombox Transformer. Did you know that? His name is Soundwave. Boombox Transformer is I think it's a reference to Soundwave. He was the transformer from the, the cartoon. He looked like a little boombox, and he had like little cassettes inside of him mm -hmm. that would shoot out, and they'd be good like 
little like mini Decepticons that would like go out and do stuff for him. There's a robot in, in Decepticon in this one that hacks Air Force One and everything. Yeah. I feel like that was supposed to be Soundwave, but in the credits he's called Frenzy, mm-hmm. which is one of the cassettes that Soundwave would shoot out. Is that from that's from the cartoon? Yes. Oh, see I had no I had no idea. None at all. So I liked I liked seeing Frenzy in the movie because I thought he was Soundwave. <laughs> and like the idea of like a like it it's so goofy, but like that's my I think that's my favorite part of the movie. The airplane. Is when Soundwave is hacking Air Force One. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> and when he gets off of the plane, he's just walking. he like he just walks around and he like puts his hand to his his face like he's trying to cover it. <laughs> that was the funniest. Oh my god. That's my favorite part. Yeah. And then like he watches the woman like eat a ho ho from the ground. Mm-hmm. And he's like just gross. <laughs> he's trying to hide. Those scenes are really fun and they're like it's pretty tense too cuz he's surrounded because all these guys are yeah. looking for him and he could transform into anything but they don't know that. So you They don't see- know he transformed into a boombox. Yeah. See like that that is like a gift from the original series that the new film or the 2007 film embrace and i think that's why that scene works so well it's because you're you're yes ending the transformers from the 80s the original is is like a really campy thing and i think that the movie does better when it leans into the campiness okay fair enough by the end of the film it it definitely drops a lot of the campiness and it becomes a war movie essentially it it becomes saving private ryan but with transformers i like, mean that's a war movie it's all of these movies sure, become a war sure. movie like one thing that I, I i do think the action sequences are like pretty i guess well shot i guess mm-hmm. but the the circumstances in which they take place i have problems with what do you mean so the first one when that thing transforms they're like hey who is this guy this this plane would have this helicopter was shot down and then they let it land. That's an enemy helicopter that you just let land in your base. And then he starts blowing everything up. But I'm like, why did they let him land in the first place? They find out midair, they give him an escort. Yeah. And the dude never responds. Like, that I have a problem with. And that kind of takes me out of the action scene. Like, well, they're idiots. Why they just let him land? And it, it takes a little too long for them to figure it out. Like, if, if it, it would have landed and then the guy would have like, hey, that ship went down. How do you know? My friend was on that ship. And then they turn and they're like, what? And then that's when he transforms and starts like laying waste to the base. That would have been pretty cool. That would have been better. That definitely would have yeah. been better. It's like when the when the parent like starts counting, but they get to the number and they just keep counting. <laughs> like, I'm going <laughs> to count to three. And they get to three and they keep counting. <laughs> like, you're not going to do shit, mom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That's a real. That's a real gripe, and it does set up some of these fights to be like, "Huh, what's happening?" Yeah, and then there's a there's a part where they go to the base and Qatar gets destroyed, and then you have uh, not Timothy Oliphant. What's his, what's his name? Oh, uh, Josh Dumel. Yeah, Dumel and Tyrese Gibson. Uh, Gibson. They're like they get they rescue that kid villager. And they're like, take us to your village so we can bring your our war with us and destroy your village. So well, they no. go. That's not the. That's, that's what the, happens, though. It's what happens, but they don't think that's what's gonna happen because they they like take us to your village so we can contact the U.S. Army because we have info. We're survivors of the attack, and we need to alert them to what happened. Where they're like, oh yeah, no, we're so gonna walk a bring... hundred miles to the nearest <laughs> metropolitan city. Get out of here. <laughs> 
don't, you know, America's done a America's done a lot of shitty things. Let let Stachdumel find an oasis somewhere. Leave him alone. <laughs> let, him, let him bring his like intergalactic war to these these poor people. They don't know this, they're out. This rundown village that's already been bombed, probably <laughs> thanks to the Americans. But all right, I'll let that slide. <laughs> like they get chased, they get chased there, right? And the scorpion, there's there's no way they can fight Scorpionox if that's his name. But when they get to the village, Scorpionox just like just waits out in the open. They're firing back, um, and they're doing very little damage, and he's just shooting at them. Um, yeah, just laying waste to the, the poor village. Yeah. Which he could have, which I think is an exciting scene. I like it. But how he's killed the first guy by impaling him with his tail, he could have easily done that. He could have kept digging and then like, popped up in the village and yeah. then like just attacked the soldiers there. Whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So then this is, goes back to the racist thing. He gets the cell phone. Oh my right? god! Oh, sh- and he calls the operator, which should be someone in Qatar, right? Uh-huh. There should be someone with an Arabic accent. Nope, it's an Indian operator. <laughs> it's a uh, the comic. What's his name? Uh, uh, Ravi Patel, and it's just like stereotypical like Indian customer service. Sir, the attitude is not going to speed things up any bit at all. I'm going to ask you to speak into the mouthpiece very clearly. We're in the middle of a war! Uh, Also, sir, have you heard about our Premium Plus World Service Gold Package? No, I don't want a Premium Package! But it's like, why is he... Why is he Indian? Why is is this a scene? Yeah, and I like the idea of the scene. But when I saw it, I was like, oh no, this is another one of those things that hasn't aged too well. Which is they're in the middle of a war. He needs to contact his bosses so they could get support. But you have this middle guy who is being kind of an asshole. It's just like yeah, he was kind of be. And I, I like that conceit. But then it it's like, an in- Indian guy doing an Indian accent. Doesn't real, care about his job. Fun fact, right? Do you know who was supposed to be it? Aziz Wait, let me guess. Russell Peter Aziz Aziz Azar. <laughs> he was he was supposed to do it, but he turned it down. Because he did probably didn't want to do an Indian accent. He did. Oh, he went on to say he didn't want to play that type of character anymore. He didn't want to put that kind of image up. Right. Because, but here's the the thing is, now Aziz Ansari doesn't get his big break until what Parks and Recreation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what put him up there. But like for Indian actors, like this, this, this is the role. You yeah. don't get to be on in a movie unless you do this, you which can't... is awful. It's terrible. Oh, it's, oh, it's absolutely awful. Yeah. It's 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 kind of unfortunate that you 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 kind of have to resort to these things for cheap laughs because a bunch of white guys in a room think it's funny to have an Indian operator and make fun of them. And it's again, I'm kind of like being a hypocrite because I'm like, ah, some stereotypes are funny, some are kind of not. This is one of those where it's like, ah, you know, it just wasn't as funny. Again, and I don't especially when you contrast it with when he finally gets to the military and it's just a room full of white people talking to another room full of white people and they're all like super efficient at their jobs it's like it's almost like the superiority of the white race yeah can't wait shit when you say it like that yeah like look at how good they are being on the phone you know it's just like yeah i didn't even think about it that way but that's a that's a good point the word and here's the thing here's the worst part you don't have any other indian characters to oppose that image you know right because i I think i think how what kind of one of the bases that i've been kind of working at is you could kind of 
because I, I personally think some stereotypes are funny. I, I, I just, I do. I just think they, sometimes, some, some of them are bad. Some of them are funny. I think. But if that's all you see is a stereotype. Yes, exactly. That's a huge problem. Yeah. I was talking to, uh, like a quick slide. I was talking about, uh, Gone Girl and someone didn't like it. Cause it was like, well, it's the entire, it's the conceit that this woman's crazy. And like, that's, that's a kind of messed up stereotype. I'm like, yeah, it's messed up. But number one, she's the villain. And number two, you have all of these supporting characters who are women who aren't crazy, who are good at their job or kind of call Ben Affleck on the, on, uh, call him out on his infidelity. So you have other characters to contrast that image. So it's like, that's craziness is a specific character trait for this one character, but it's not for these other characters. And that's kind of how it should be, you know, like if you don't want to play up a stereotype, that's fine. But if you do, you should at least have the opposite where it's like, here's this person who is not that, who doesn't play up the stereotype. Right, exactly. And as far as I know, he, uh, what's his name? Patel? He's a Robbie comedian. Robbie Patel. Robbie yeah. Patel. He's kind of the only guy that in the film, uh, who, yeah. who, who's only, who's, who's the only Indian guy. I can't think of any other one. See, that's, that's why I, I have, I feel like this movie's racist. Cause like you, you do one stereotype, to another joke that was written specifically to make fun of this entire country, another stereotype, another it's like, really, why? Why is so much of this movie spent on making fun of people of color and devaluing women? No, you're totally right, and it's it goes kind of out of its way, and sometimes it's like, yeah, sometimes it's funny if that's your kind of humor. If you're okay with kind of going towards that, but I feel like like there are some things where it's like this just isn't playing well, man. Like you know, you you kind of reach the bottom of the barrel. And when you when you look at the writers, Alex Kurtzman and uh, Robert Orsi, it's like you guys didn't really have to go down this route because you guys wrote Star Trek, and Star Trek is pretty like diverse if you think about it's, it. It's in like this super like liberal society, like the, yeah. the Alliance anyway. Yeah, but even then, they mm, I can't remember those films too well. I don't remember them playing too much, too to, too many stereotypes. Like the at least that was like Gene Rod, Roddenberry's vision is like this society that's like fully like a fully realized functioning society for mm. Earth. The original cast was was pretty diverse. Like yeah, you had Captain Kirk. He's the white guy. He's in charge. But you had George Takei. You had. What's his name? What's Wait, her name? Didn't Star the Trek have like the first Kuro. interracial kiss in TV? It might have. I, I think wouldn't, I, that wouldn't surprise me. I I think I read something about that. But yeah, and look, and obviously, Transformers is not set in that universe. It does it's not, not. have it's so there's like there's, you, there's it, some leeway that I'm gonna give the the at least this movie. Yeah. But sometimes it's just like, oh man, like this joke is this idea is really funny, but you kind of just resorted to some pretty basic stereotypes that wasn't even that funny to begin with and then you and then how you say you chuck suppose that with like how the army works and it's like oh some of that thing some of that stuff doesn't land so yeah you know and then they and then the franchise gets even worse with mud flap and skin. yeah and even Jesus. and that gets so so egregious where it's like even the black characters that you have the humans like tyrese gibson who's an army guy. You have Anthony Anderson, who's like the the hacker guy who like helps save the day. They can't even, they, they're, they're good. Their goodness can't like outweigh how bad Mudflap and uh, Skid are. That's, it's, that's bad. 
yeah awful you know of the four named black characters like two of them get arrested and one of them's a robot and he dies wait what of the four named black characters two of them get arrested and one of them is a robot and he dies oh yeah yeah. who get anthony anderson gets arrested yeah yeah but he gets he gets arrested next to the austria the white chick so yeah but we got to get that cops-esque police chase with Omar running into the pool. <laughs> Which I loved because it really reminded Which me of it, cops. If it happened in real life, they would have shot him. You're unfortunately correct. Um, but that, that scene reminded me so much of cops. It's funny that you say cops because I grew up with that show. And God, some of the shit you saw. I, like uh, when I was watching that movie again, I was like, wait a minute. I thought John Turturro arrests them. No. Like, oh, no, he arrests the, the Witwickies. Yeah. And the mom is hilarious. Can I just say that? Sam yeah. Witwicky's mom is the funniest. She's probably the funniest person in the movie. Yeah. In uh, her interview at the end, during the during the credits. The government would let us know. Yeah. They'll be the first aliens. Like, hey, look out. <laughs> so, <laughs> something I really want to talk about, uh, you mentioned it earlier, was the you couldn't tell. Some of the Transformers, some of the Decepticons, the robots. And I feel that's a common complaint that people have, but I've never had that problem. I think because the very inception of Transformers is, let's sell these toys. How are we going to sell these toys? We'll give them characters. We'll make a story. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what Transformers was. And in this movie, you kind of strip it away from those like the story isn't about them anymore it's about this kid like i guess his heroes i don't even know what, what is what is the movie about what's it's about definitely him? not about the robots no no it's not about the transformers it's about sam he's someone who wants he wants to like grow up he wants to have more responsibility it's literally about a team coming into his own and then he gets he has the biggest responsibility of all which is protecting the allspark um, no one really trusts him. His parents kind of kind of like guiding him around and they're like making fun of him. And it's really about a kid in his car and the responsibilities that come with getting a car. In this case, that car I is a Transformer. I don't think that there's very much of a, a kid in his car in this movie. But what were you, you going to say about the... We'll, get, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But like the, the Transformers? Well, I... I thought I I had no problem. I could distinguish them and naming them is one thing and I can't name all of them. I there's too many and I'm terrible with names. Me like I could I can't name most characters in most movies. Um and it's not even a memorability thing. It's just like if if Die Hard, I'm like, "Oh, John McClane. Who else can you name from that movie? I don't know. Terrorist. Hans Gruber? Hans Gruber? I forgot the name though. Klaus um, the blonde german guy right yeah yeah i don't don't uh-huh. remember them but so yeah i so character names is one thing but like their designs i could tell who was who what's happening and i think it's because of how michael bay shoots it because he knows when to have fast cuts when to move the camera when to pan when to go dutch and he also knows just when to use close-ups and when to use wide how long to keep it because there are not long takes but there are longer cuts that are juxtaposed mm-hmm. with like really quick cuts as well. He'll cut like from inside of a car, looking out as the as the as the robots are fighting, and then to a wide of the, an exterior of the freeway of them falling. And it's he films it in such a way that's very intelligible for me, which is hilarious because people are like, I can't tell what's happening. I'm like, 
have you never seen an action movie before? Like, that's some shit that my dad mm-hmm. would say. Oh, what's happening? It's like, no, I could tell. But maybe it's, I don't know if it's a me thing or... I think the, the highway chase, like, you can tell what's happening. Because, you know, they're, they're tra- they're, it's a chase. The good yeah. guys are in the front, the bad guys are behind. And then they transform and then they fight. Yeah, and I think the the hardest part that I had figuring out was the geography of the battle in and downtown it's like all right yeah. so what street like what street is this supposed to be where are the others located kind of and that's not as clean but in terms of the moment to moment fight scenes i can tell like oh that's bumblebee shooting uh this decepticon yeah. and that's oh and Tran- and uh optimus and megatron are falling down this building while he's trying to save sam and then he flicks the human <laughs> that's hilarious that was funny it's like I oh do like that part megatron disgusting megatron uh literally disembowels jazz and then he hangs onto his corpse i guess yeah. until optimus shows up and then optimus has no reaction to watching jazz's body like thrown yeah. into two different parts of the city that's the part where it loses me again yeah no fair enough fair enough because you have someone who dies, like a main character or a main transformer, and it's like, oh, there's only like five of them. So there's you only feel... five Autobots. Yeah, there's only but five there's Autobots. More so, you feel... so when one of them dies, it's like, oh man, like because the Decepticons, there's a bit more. There, there have always been more Decepticons than Auto Autobots, and so when yeah. an Autobot dies, you should be feeling it. That should be a moment, you know. It should. It's like he should have held on to Jazz until Optimus showed up, and then he's like, if you come any closer, I'll kill Jazz. And then when he kills Jazz, it's now it gives Optimus a reason to fight. Other than he's the good guy, he has to fight the bad guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, but even the even aside from that though, the film establishes a pretty good reason because Optimus thinks he, Optimus has an optimism about humanity, and he's like, "Our race did this. We we kind of messed up, but you guys are still really young, so you don't have to make those mistakes." And so, do you he, remember why he says that? You guys don't have to make the same mistakes. No, when he. He's talking to the Autobots when yeah. they, because they ask him, "Why do you care about the humans so much?" Yeah, and why do they ask that? Because they, because Bumblebee was, uh, Bumblebee was caught exactly. By Sector Seven, exactly. And he's like being tortured essentially. Right. So when yeah. Bumblebee gets released and reunites with his friends, is there you, is there like a a moment that they have, or like, hey, our friend is safe? No, but n- but that's not between them and the Transformers, and that's. And that's going back to the point that this isn't really a Transformers film. It's about Sam with Wiki. Because him and right. Sam have a moment. Because Sam gets the guys off of him. And he's the one who calms Bumblebee down. Yeah, but like there should have been a moment where they get reunited with their friend. A friend that they wanted to like kill humans to save. And then realize that a human saved them. And that's fair enough. That's that's totally correct. Like that, that should have been a thing that they included. But I think they really wanted to push the Sam and Bumblebee story because I think it's the story about a boy in his car and someone getting responsibility. That's and it's a bit it's a pretty basic story. It's not. But then it gets like inflated with like the military guy like uh, Josh Duma wants to get home to his wife that has four lines. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which uh, they don't really mm-hmm. talk about too much. And that's what well, the problem with the problem with that is if they don't do it, they're going to say his character's flat. His character does nothing. If they do add it and and they they added this a lot more to it, it's like it's trying too hard. So it's like, which is it? Is it? And I'm sure there's a 
there's an actual balance to it. But it's hard to please. It's hard to please. It's they needed a reason for him to go home and to make it tragic that he gets lost because you know his wife thinks he's dead. So it's like I. Oh, you mean like the the army guy you're talking about? Yeah, Josh Duhamel. That's (laughs) (laughs) that's the whole army, isn't it? They're trying to go back home. No, it's well, it's um, with with some of these side characters, like how much backstory, how much motivation is enough? How much is too little? Too much? I don't think you needed them at all. Like, how much of the movie would have changed if they didn't have... If everybody at the guitar base died? How how much would the movie uh, well, change? Not too much. So uh, why have them at all? Well, you need the characters to... You need the military characters to root for. To work with Sam. What's, what's wrong with just rooting for Sam and the Autobots? Uh, fair point. Right, like it, it makes their fight that much bigger because it's like the military couldn't even take these Decepticons. How is a boy and his Camaro gonna <laughs> gonna do it? You know? Yeah, fair enough. I figured though by by the end when the big battle comes in, the army just comes out of nowhere. Whereas now we at least have Josh Dumel and Tyrese Gibson to root for that that are the face of the military. Yeah, and then. Like what I was talking about before about like the action, like how it gets there doesn't makes a lot of sense to me. They they take the battle away from Hoover Dam to a city still populated with people. <laughs> There's a woman paying for her parking meter as the Decepticons are attacking. If you if you look at the the, uh, the extras, and this yeah. is like after they already launched missiles at them. <laughs> yeah. There's a woman still trying to pay for parking to get. <laughs> It makes for an awesome action scene that, for once, doesn't completely take place in front of a green screen. Yeah. Because because that's one of the things that I that's another thing that I really like is that especially these Marvel films, which I love, but they're all green screen. Literally, there, there's I there was a statistic where I found where it said that um, Endgame had like two twenty seven hundred shots of VFX, twenty seven hundred shots that contained VFX. Right, and a lot of it's green screen. Which, hey, fair enough. Fair enough. They are in space. They're doing crazy ass shit. That I will forgive them. Right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. in this film, four hundred shots of VFX, and ninety two uh, from another studio, from another VFX studio, mm. and that just talks about the how much they actually filmed practically. The highway stuff was yeah. filmed practically. A lot of the stuff in downtown LA, some of it was shot in the city, some of it wasn't. Uh, Transformer 3 did the exact same thing where they blocked off streets in Chicago to uh, film parts. And these films have a lot of VFX, but the fact that they still pursue a lot of those practical stuff makes me really happy. And when I see, and you're right, when you, it doesn't really make sense. Like, it's the Man of Steel thing. It's like, why would you fight uh, Zod in a city fully populated? You know, you should take him, you should take him out somewhere else. Does, I haven't seen that movie, but does Superman like go to the city to draw Zod out? I don't. I don't remember. He fights in this in this movie. The military goes to the city and stands their ground in the middle of the city that's not evacuated to fight the Decepticons. When it shouldn't have been, it, they no. should have the the opposite should have taken place. Where it's like, hey, maybe we should stay here in Hoover Dam or like stay in the desert, but. Or, Maybe for if they have to fight in the city, you know, because you want to have like this city as it's a pretty cool place to have a fight. There should be a reason for it. 
there should be yeah there should be a reason as to why it's happening and again i still i still think this is a, a badass uh action sequence yeah but and then there's that there's one other part in that fight scene where they call for the airstrike right mm-hmm. he gets his little pointer pen and he's like pointing at the, the i don't Zep- know one of the Zepticons. Mm-hmm. and josh Dumel gets on a bike and drives towards the airstrike. <laughs> yeah, that that's another dumb thing. So that, that he can do this really cool, like slide in slow motion, shoot your gun into the robot's crotch, I guess, and kill it from, from that was the bottom dumb. up. That was dumb. That was I, I I can't defend that. Where it's like, why not? If you want to have that cool scene, then why not have Starscream take out the airstrike so it doesn't happen? Then like, mm-hmm. all right, it's all on you. Josh Dumel, you got one cyber round left. You gotta like hit it right, or you got yeah, you have like yeah. a couple of rounds left. You have to hit them right. It's like, well, I gotta distract them while I ride this motorcycle. You know, some some real quick, just a sidetrack. You know what? As a kid, it threw me off, but I never asked questions about it. But I just, I actually just looked into it now. The Hoover Dam's in Nevada. Yeah. And they're like, we need to go to the city, and one of the yeah. nearest c- cities near there is Las Vegas. But instead, the the final fight scene doesn't take place in Las Vegas. It takes place Where does in it Los take Angeles. Place? In Los Angeles, is it? Yeah, really? Yeah, if you look at the, it, they don't say it. They don't say it. I, but they, uh, but if you look at the street names, it's like the there was like a not Figueroa. It's another like downtown street. I was like, hey, that's downtown. If when Starscream's being chased by the chased by the jets, they're flying mm. through the downtown skylight or the 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 building. It's recognizable, and I'm like, huh. It, it always threw me off, always <laughs> threw me off. But now I've just confirmed it. Like, oh, this is kind of BS. Which, not a critique against the film. I was just like, you could have set the fight scene in Las Vegas. That would have been awesome. Yeah, that that would have actually yeah. been really cool. Would have been better. Uh, well, I don't know if it would have been better, but it would have been kind of cool to see more like, sense. It like a, it, like a Las Vegas getting torn up by. I hate Las Vegas, but <laughs> it would been kind of cool to see that get torn up. My Transformers well, I'd like to fighting. see Megatron in Caesar's Palace. Um, that would have been pretty cool. That yeah. could have been kind of like you're right, and just seeing all these like New York, New York, them fight. <laughs> yeah, but that's just you know whatever. That's just wish fulfillment at this point. Um, yeah. So we've talked about our opinions. Let's talk about the reception because this is the second highest rated Transformers film with 58 percent from critics, but 228 critics, and is the second highest one. 58 means that half liked it, half didn't. You know, fair enough. Doesn't show how much each person liked it or hated it. The best one is Bumblebee with a 92%. Yeah, I I kind of want to see Bumblebee. It's funny because yeah. I, I saw it and I did not like it. <laughs> wow. I did not like it. I feel um, like that one does like a kid getting its car better because there's no other Transformers or anything. It's well, just Bumblebee and like two Decepticons or something. And that's what a lot of critics are saying. That That's what a lot of them are saying. They're like, this is how this was the original template of what Sam Wick- Wiki should have been with Bumblebee. And right. very much so Bumblebee plays on that. Bumblebee plays uh, on that. It's like it's a, yeah. it's a kid in their car and the growing responsibility. Yeah. But it's missing that Michael Bay stank. And I don't I, want it. I don't. I, I don't like it. I love the stink. I love. I don't want to see like Tyrese Gibson say "Bring it" and watch Josh Dumel ride a motorcycle and freaking an extended scene of Megan Fox checking out the hood of a car that she's not gonna fix. 
Bumblebee peeing on John Turturro. Anthony Anderson yelling at his disembodied grandma to drink her prune juice. I don't need any of that. It's it's not great, but it's super entertaining. And Bumblebee, and the thing about Bumblebee is that I fell asleep. I was I was bored. Like what are what are some? Okay, I think the the idea of this movie is about a boy getting his car and the responsibilities of his car is bullshit. Because there's nothing he does that's relatable to having your first car. Wants to nothing. he wants to take the girl he likes back home. He wants to give her a ride. How's that's that not it. relatable? That's it. He thinks someone's stealing the car, so he's chasing after the car. And then he sees the car is alive, and then he starts running away from the car because he's scared. There's that how's scene that, at the at how's the that police not station. <laughs> it it's not cop. relatable. I've never like ridden on my mom's bicycle to get away from my car, which is like if the, you think the car is chasing you, just stay in the house. Why no, do no, you no. go no. out? Of- <laughs> He's well because they're in the junkyard or they're in that the instru- industrial area when he's no, no, no when he goes back home. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Just you, okay. I see what you're saying. When like, he falls so in like, front of Megan Fox, yeah, okay. Right. I, I, so yeah. part of like having a car is like paying for gas, right? It's like maintaining your car. He doesn't do any of that. I want to see Sam Wiki like try to get Bumblebee smog tested. Oh my god, you want to see the lamest version of this movie. You want to see the AAA <laughs> approved, no Michael Bay stank on it. It's just like, gee, Bumblebee, your air filter's dirty. We should go to AutoZone to pick one up. <laughs> oh man, is that a bee's nest under you? Oh boy, I can't, I can't wait to get that out. <laughs> Jesus. You want the lamest version of Transformers. I want I want some giant robots just like body slamming each other and Sam Witwick just be like, oh my god. Yeah, you can have that. You can have that. That's that's fine. But 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 but, but from what you're saying, Bumblebee is your choice. I that's the film I would recommend to you. And clearly a lot of people like it because it's ninety two percent. Uh it's by the guy that did uh the, the Kubo, right? Kubo and the two strings, right? I love that movie. Oh, do, you're gonna you're gonna love Bumblebee without a doubt, and that's and that's and that's basically the sentiment. That's what I'm trying to get at with this film. This film's not for everyone. It might irritate you, it might offend you, it might confuse you. But if you're okay with, if you're okay with, if you could vibe with it, you're having, you're gonna have a great time. Especially with the first three, because I love the first three. After that, it's open the discussion. But uh, if you're like Austin, you want something a little bit more grounded, a little bit more character driven, a little bit more relatable. If you want to see uh, an alien get his air filter changed, <laughs> but but and I mean it's not for that me. Would, but that I, would I know be a, lot a of funny like scene. Like, can you imagine? I I haven't thought about it, but it might be like, cool. Like, because like at the, at that point in the movie, they don't know that he doesn't know that Bumblebee's a transformer, and then like you have this mechanic trying to like fix a car that's an alien and it's sentient and it starts like reacting to it. Imagine that scene. That could be kind of funny. That could be kind of interesting. I'll give you that. But I, I like the I like the, the the way Michael Bay, I feel like what he is, I think he's like the equivalent of like uh fast food. And you know, it's not really great. It's not you know, I McDonald's not healthy for you and stuff, but man, those fries though. Chicken nuggets. Yeah, like you you can have both though. Like, you can't, you can't. And they clearly and they clearly tried it, but 
clearly Bumblebee not, did not resonate with audiences. Well, by that time, like you're six movies deep in the Transformers franchise. I think it took a little too late for them to get to that point. But it's because these films made a lot of money. I mean, they did. Let's talk about the numbers real quick. Yeah. This one, I mean, we may have talked about it before, but let's go a little bit deeper because the budget for this one was 150 and it made 700 worldwide. And that's pretty good. That's pretty great. They definitely broke even. They definitely broke even and there was a demand for it. The second one did 836 million on a 200 million dollar budget so it's probably the same it probably worked out to be the same but there was a higher demand for it then they made the third one that one broke a billion and the budget was 195 at once you break a billion you got to keep going yeah so then they made the fourth they were and you could tell that the third one was supposed to be the final kind of trilogy because it brings sam's story to an end it, it brings sam's story to an end he's kind of like he's an adult by this point they've defeated it's like they've defeated all the main villains like earth has learned but then they're like no we got to make a fourth one because it broke a billion this fourth one had a budget of 210 million and it, it broke a billion and i think they they were doing really well because in foreign markets especially in china transformers was really doing well china mm. was a lot of the was a lot of the reason they kept making those films because transformers was doing really well over uh, on the other side here the films were okay you like domestically the third one was a big hit fourth one not as much but china loved it and so then they made the fifth one which was a commercial flop and it actually it has a budget of upwards of 260 million that's more than what is what is that 260 uh, what is what are other 260 million dollar movies probably close to uh, avatar it's comparable it's mm, now infinity war i'm sure it was more it was like 300 something yeah those that uh, it's probably comparable to the original uh hobbit films 260 million to the lord of the rings oh. Pro- probably yeah avatar was uh 237 so last so night was even more than that yeah and it only made 600 that that's a flop that's pretty bad that's yeah. pretty bad and so after last night, they made Bumblebee, which was supposed to be different, revitalized the franchise, went with a very went with a different director, very different style. They went back to its reasonable like reasonable budget, one hundred two to one thirty five, which is the least, which is the smallest lowest. budget in the the lowest budget in the entire franchise, and it made four hundred sixty eight million. So by that point, franchise fatigue had it had set in. Yeah, and I think. Like when the first movie came out in two thousand seven, you're already like a few other franchises are coming to an end. You know, like you have the Pirates of the Caribbean, the third one. Mm-hmm. You have Spider Man three. You have Shrek the third. Yeah. Um, there was the like, Order of the Phoenix, the Harry Potter movie was number two that year. Mm-hmm. See, so you have like three franchises like coming to an end. I guess they didn't really think that this third Spider-Man was going to be the, the last one of the trilogy, but no, they they didn't, but um turned out that way. Yeah, and they the the, the year before that was the last um X-Men movie too from the Brett Ratner. Yeah, the, the the last stand. And it's when these and it's when these films try to extend past that they they start the the rubber band starts like ripping. You know. Yeah. Cuz uh I, I love the first three. Uh, four does a couple. It starts that one. You start really seeing the faults. The, the faults become too great to ignore. And five is my least favorite one. 
and there's just a there's just a certain level of fun that the first three have while inappropriate and very uh undercooked and kind of you know there's still a lot to be enjoyed there whereas kind of the latter ones just didn't have it especially bumblebee bumblebee for how well it does a lot of the story beats and how it gets down to the nitty-gritty of Haley steinfeld and bumblebee just lacks some of that fun that the original one had I, I, you might disagree with me. Uh, you'd have to see the film. I'm curious what you think about it. Yeah, I, I will watch. It. It's free on Hulu now, I think, and I think it's on Amazon Prime as well. Oh, you, yeah, you should definitely check it out then. But it's just—it's really interesting how this franchise has just kind of grown. And but it, it, well, it's funny because I think the first three have aged particularly well, whereas Age of Extinction and Last Night haven't. I can't speak for Bumblebee. But those films just have not aged properly at all. Whereas the first three, I think, except for a lot, some of the racially insensitive jokes, they like especially visually they hold up. Visually, yeah, they're pretty cool. They, just everything else is awful. So, what, how would you grade this? I'm curious. What would what would you where would you put it? I'll, so I like the sound the Transformers make when they transform. I like the idea of robots having war. I like their idea of robots fighting, alien robots fighting. I like the practical effects, like when, what's his face? Uh, I wrote down all the names of the Decepticons, and I still can't remember them. I wrote them all down. I watched that scene over and over again to like uh, Bone Crusher. Mm. When he goes through that bus, Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. No, that's gridlock, isn't it? I don't know. (laughs) Is it Bone Crusher? You might be right. I like that. I like the scenes with Frenzy. That's it. That's, I think that's it. That's <laughs> no, all I and, like. And you're right. I called him Gridlock, but I was wrong. You're right. It's Bone Crusher. Okay. And that is one of the coolest scenes in the movie where he goes through the bus. Um, yeah. I and it has and it has don't... such an appropriate use of slow motion, which Michael Bay knows when to use and knows not mm. to. The scene where like he's skidding to Optimus and he tackles him. He spears him. Yeah. That was but badass. there's. There's also that one scene where um, it's either, I think it's the medic bot, who isn't really a medic bot. Uh, what's his name? Ratchet. Mm-hmm. When Ratchet, like, he does, like, a little flip over a woman screaming. No, that, that's not that's not Ratchet. Who is that's, it? That's uh, Iron, Ironhide? Ironhide, yeah. Oh. It's Ironhide. Yeah, method. like, what's the point of that slow motion? <laughs> I, it's, I, it's cool. It's cool looking. I like okay. how he. I like how he jumps over her, like trying to be careful, careful for her. As he's avoiding. One... He's avoiding getting shot at, but also preventing on squishing this tiny human who just cannot move. Because the city wasn't evacuated before the military decided to bring the war to the city. Very true. <laughs> at least in Godzilla, they try to evacuate the cities. Yeah. Everything else, like the the racist, the racism, like. One or two, okay, yeah, that's all right. That's I guess that's a joke. But then they go out of their way to make the racist jokes. It's like this is just—I can't forgive this. This is too much. The portrayal of women in this movie is pretty shitty. I feel really bad for Megan Fox. Absolutely. Um, there's there's a moment where this Bernie Mac starts laughing about his uh, deaf grandma. Mm-hmm. And he starts laughing, and the laugh becomes really sad. Mm-hmm. Like that's my expression throughout this movie. Like, <laughs> that that feeling right there, where it's like, why am I watching this? Why did I pay money 
to Amazon to rent this movie. Because I asked. Because I asked you to. Because you yep. love me. Hey, mammy, you love me. You deaf ass bitch. Yeah. I think he says something like that. He says he was he would if he had a brick he'd beat her over the head with it. <laughs> That's. Yeah, super... I got a new Windex bottle, man. Um, and then the the story is just is pretty shitty, and the plot's pretty shitty too. If you have like cool characters, I can forgive like a a plot that's derivative, mm-hmm. but they don't even give me that. You know, like you have you have Frenzy, right? Who's like this expert hacker? You know, he can hack through the entire United States military network in minutes, but he can't place a fucking bid on an eBay item. Are you serious? You know, if the Decepticons would just bid on the glasses, there would be no movie. That's why you can't have them bid. But, like, wh- they don't have money, Austin. And minimum wage isn't what it used to be, all right? Like, they don't need money. They can, if they can hack through the United States military, they can fucking move money into an offshore account. See, you're overcomplicating it. You gotta, you gotta find where Wiki is. I just have to, like, down. I just have to dumb it down. I just have to not think when I'm watching this movie. That goes a long way. What do you what do you rate this? What do you what do you grade it? I give it one, one out of, one out of five. five. I used to give it a four out of five. Uh, I'll have to bring it down to like a three, three being generous because I think a lot of the action scenes, the visual effects, the sound, the score, I think are great. I love Sam Witwicky. I love what he has with Michaela, basically Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox. I think they're great together. I like the actors, uh, the cast. I like Sam and kind of the the misadventures that he gets in with these Transformers. It's not particularly a moving or dramatic story, but I think it hits enough of the beats where I'm like, okay, BBB action. I think it's paced really well. There are some things that have not aged well, though. A lot of the jokes, and not just the racist ones, but a lot of the goofy juvenile stuff hasn't aged yeah, well either. Like, like when they're in the car and... Bumblebee's driving, and she's like, "I can't sit there." He's like, "Well, can you sit, sit on my lap? I have a seatbelt." And yeah, then that, she does. Yeah, like, you can Jesus. sit in the back seat. It's yeah, it's, it's not that great. And this, and yeah, I just watching this movie, I'm like, man, I feel really bad for Megan Fox. She just wanted yeah, to be in a summer summer blockbuster film, one of the biggest. She just wanted to have a good time, and man, what came after? She's her? just a, a piece of meat. What came during the filming and after? Because, man, her and Michael Bay were at each other's throats for a while until they, like, reconciled. But, yeah, I, I think three, two out of two, out of two, two and a half, somewhere around that ballpark. Wow. That's pretty low for you. No, no, I don't. Well, a lot of the films that we've done here, I've had very favorable opinions about. Very, very good opinions where I'm like, oh, this is a good film. This one is a I, I think a good film or it's a movie that has a lot of good stuff let me phrase it this way <laughs> i think when this film came out in 2007 i thought it was a good film i thought it was a really good film because i went on to watch every other film afterwards now watching it sometime later i realize it's kind of it's an oh i think it's not a great film but that has really great parts and really great things about it that i really like and that's why I'm bringing it down. So I, mm. from thinking it's a really good film, now I think it's an overall okay film. 
like everything that Industrial Light and Magic did, the VFX company, I think is gonna yeah, be yeah. Their their work is is pretty good. They, I, like, they, I think this they were the same company that worked on the Avengers, on the Avengers, the 2012 one. Mm. That film was five came five years after this one, and the effects in that one do not look anywhere near as good or as refined as the work here. Yeah, I, I think I can agree with that. And I think that has, and I think credit where credit is due. I think they really, they knew this was a challenge, and they went all in. And I think it also has to do with Michael Bay. I think in terms of VFX, say what you want about story, dialogue, characters. I think Michael Bay really knows how to do action, practically and visually with visual effects. I, and not to bash you know, on the Avengers, not to bash on it's a great film, but uh, I think this one will age better in terms of look and design visual effects yeah yeah visual effects but like you can have both because and it and if one must be sacrificed like characters and story versus visual effects i feel like you sacrifice visual effects well and i mean and that's the case with the avengers because now i think everyone will agree that it's one of the best superhero films of all time and people will forgive some of the shoddy vfx yeah like the the Chitari look stupid. <laughs> Wait, that's a, which that's a character design thing. I mean, I'm thinking more of like, uh, do you remember Infinity War? There's that scene where uh, he removes the top half of the Hulkbuster suit, uh, Bruce Banner. Oh yeah, and you can tell it's like they just put his head in the CGI body. Yeah, it looks awful, but that film is still a banger because it's Bruce Banner saying a funny line after Thor shows up in the battlefield. Oh yeah, and it's like the the emotion, the the drama of what's happening outweighs the you know less than perfect uh, special effect. Absolutely, of- yeah, yeah, without a doubt, yeah. And I will, I, I, I still, I think this is one of the best visual effects work that may have been done. I'm not a VFX guy, but I'm a lot of VFX artists are going to go after this particular film. Uh, maybe yeah. some of the later ones, but not this one. ILM, they brought their A game, and they did a fantastic job. So that's yeah. The the VFX work is enough to keep this, in my view, like a whole point above where it should be. Mm. So you give it a two? No, I, I uh, three. I'll give it a three. I've I talked myself right. into giving them a three because the the work that they're doing is incredible and the action's incredible. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to our episode. Um, we will have social media up. You can follow us on there. Tell us what you think. Please be nice. We're very sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you next time. And I think next time we're doing Munich, right? Yeah, we were talking about doing Munich. Yeah, Munich right. is Munich is a. That's another one that I don't think a lot of people saw. But it's when totally did it come out? Two thousand five. Two thousand five. Steven Spielberg. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm looking Thanks. forward to it. Oh, it's going to be great. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.